1: Hello and welcome to episode seven of Who to Be a podcast. I am your host Raj Bind, and joining me is the lovely Rory Benton. Rory, how are you?
0: Yeah, very good, thanks. Uh, enjoy the weekend. So yeah. did you?
1: Because you didn't text me back after the Tottenham Newcastle game.
0: Uh, nothing to say, mate. Nothing.
1: To say. <laughs> I was surprised because you, you know you were all nice to me this morning when I came in, and then you know after ignoring me all Sunday.
0: <laughs> yeah, I can't say I was in the greatest mood on uh, on Sunday, but. No. I think it evened out on Saturday, so uh
1: You still look annoyed now that I've brought it up.
0: Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you think you just, be used? I, just I, I yeah yeah, as you're gonna say, I'm I'm used to it now and also uh you know, you don't expect any points from Tottenham, so I'm not too fussed. Still uh you still like rubbing it in though, don't you? So <laughs>
1: You don't get many Newcastle fans around here, so it's always nice just to chip a little bit when you can, especially because <laughs> you 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 take it to heart so much. Um, before we get into the proper football, we're not here to talk about Tottenham and Newcastle as much as I would like to. Um, we're going to talk about Huddersfield and Palace. Uh, but first of all, Beer 52 still sponsoring us, still giving away free beer to people as long as you pay for posting. Um, we know how big craft beer is. We've got Magic Rock in our town and you know, Mallingtons and, and all sorts. So, yeah. yeah, beer club. Um, just sign up on beer52.com. It's normally 24 quid a case, but all you do is you pay 5.95 for posting and you get what is it, eight beers free, which mm-hmm. don't sound too bad for me. Use a code Huddersfield at beer52.com and you'll become a member of their club. No commitment. So, if you don't like it first time around, then you can just send it back and. You don't have to sign up for life or anything like that. There's no obligations. We got sent a case of Norwegian beers, we're yet to tuck into them. Um you may need one in sort of to drown your sorrows, I may need one to celebrate. I think the whole of Huddersfield would probably drink it dry given what yeah. happened on Saturday. Um but you know, every month, free snack, free magazine, all sorts free beer, really. Yeah, we don't wrong. We, we don't need to say more than that. Just beer52.com, code Huddersfield, sign up there and uh, yeah, let us know how much you enjoy your beers because um, as soon as we get into the Norwegian ones, I'm sure we'll we'll let you know. But proper business, Palace away. Um, turned out to be the perfect start.
0: Yeah, yeah, it was <laughs> a, an unbelievable performance from, from town from the first whistle. Uh, there was a bit of a, you know, Palace started reasonably brightly first 10 minutes, but town gave him nothing. Um, let them know they that they were there with a few challenges as well, and then after that it was it was all huddersfield town and it was just so it it was such a good game to watch from a Huddersfield perspective because they dominated in in every area there was no area on the pitch where you thought, all oh, right, well, well, palace sort of they have an in there. Zaha was their only creative outlet really. Um and he had two shots and then, you know, even when Town were were beaten, Jonas Lossl was there to make some excellent saves. So it was
1: the perfect start to Premier League Life Huddersfield To give ourselves a bit of a pat on the back, it is pretty much exactly what we said might happen, did happen, mm-hmm. in that we know that Christopher Palace have got this brand new way of playing football completely born out in the way they performed on the weekend. And we said the continuity that Huddersfield have, the the knowledge of our identity, the way we play football, was going to be the big deciding factor here because Crystal Palace have none of that. They have none of the, the contingency and none of the confidence in themselves that Huddersfield do, none of that momentum. And that's exactly the way the game seemed to play out. As soon as the first 10 minutes were underway, as soon as Huddersfield sort of... Their press seemed to knock Huddersfield, knock uh, Palace off their stride a little bit early doors. A couple of niggly fouls, which it's not as if Huddersfield played dirty. They just played in the way that Huddersfield play, which is pressing high and they will battle for every fifty-fifty. So, I don't think that was too much of a shock for anyone on on our side or anyone who's seen us play for a, a season or two under under Wagner. So,
0: yeah, I, I'd also say sort of in addition to that, the, you mentioned the press. I think, in a way, Huddersfield were the worst team for Palace to play first up because of that high press. Obviously, Frank De Boer's come in from Ajax and he wants to play this possession-based football, similar to what Yapstam did at Reading, and just keep the ball and kind of wear opposition down with the, the amount of possession that they have. I think that would have worked against a few teams if, if their confidence had been built up and that kind of thing. But to, to come up against Town first up, a team that are going to get in your face from the word, word go, not let you have as much time as the ball on the ball as you would like on it. It kind of, I think it made them panic and it, because they haven't, because Frank De Boer hasn't had the time to bed in that philosophy yet, the panic set in and it was then, then the the crowd turned as well because they could see that the, the passing game wasn't working. They were having to go long. I mean, Hennessy must've kicked the ball out eight times in the first half. It was just, you know, it was panic stations from the word go and, Palace, you know, maybe if they'd played a team that were more likely to sit back away from home, like a Watford or something like that, maybe they would have been able to get that game going and after a half sort of build into it a bit more, but Town just didn't let them settle and and they really put the cat amongst the pigeons
1: from the word go. If we talk about the, the even start, it was strange to see sort of this Palace team playing in the way they were because we'd we'd obviously discussed the slow start that they may have and how the ball fared into in a similar manner. But given sort of the defensive solidity that they'd had previously, you'd almost think that may have carried over a little bit more. But because he changed the shape at the back, there were so many gaps open. And when we did the, the tactical preview and things, that's something we touched upon may, might be happening. And their own sort of indecision in the players they wanted to play in certain positions, like loftus Cheek, was better once he was moved, and certain players only coming in for the first appearances and things. Mm. That seems to have far more of an effect on them than it did for us.
0: Yeah, I'd, I'd, as you say, he's only been there for six weeks. For, for a complete system change, to go from Sam Allardyce to Frank De Boer, it takes more than six weeks. They needed to, as soon as Allardyce had said, right, that's me done, it needed to be, you know, a three-day turnaround. They needed to appoint someone really quickly if, if they were going to make that massive step. Um, and I, I, it, it just, it hasn't worked in the six weeks. I think maybe if he gets another month or two, then it might start working. The problem is in the Premier League. If you lose four games in a row, five games in a row, you're under pressure. Um, as you say, that the players he's brought in, he, was it of the the centre back? He's he's 19. He's come from Ajax you know it's going to take him maybe a season to get used to the premier league to get used to the physicality of it and also to get used to the fact that teams are going to press you higher you seem in in dutch football you get the ball a lot more you can be a bit more creative with it and you've got time to think the the tempo that the game was played at in the first 20 minutes on saturday that was a real baptism of fire for him in the premier league because it was it was fast it was furious and town just didn't let them settle and you know we, in 90 minutes, I don't think Crystal Palace looked comfortable on the ball once. So, I think it was it's it's a massive compliment to Huddersfield Town in the way that they played. But I think they also caught Crystal Palace at the best time they could have done right at the start
1: of the season. On the other hand, fosu in defence was pretty good. He was one of their best players. I mean, they didn't have many good performances, but Fosu-Mensah, Zaha, and Loftus-Cheek once he was moved deeper were probably their standouts.
0: Yeah, I thought Zaha was probably their best player. Um, he looked dangerous, but I think Town, you know, Town put a few challenges in early on, and he he didn't he didn't like them. Um, and I'm not saying that they kicked him out of the game or anything like that. I think there was only four fouls on him throughout the whole game. But you know, they went in firmly. They you know they brought a bit of Championship grit to the Premier League, and that's that's you know really nice to see. And and the chances that he did get, like I said before, Lossell stood up well to them and 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 denied him. Loftus Cheek, I thought, I thought I had a good game when he'd moved back, but he was a bit anonymous beforehand.
1: Um, it's, it's weird because when we did the preview with the the Polish guest last week, he suggested that is it Kiko might start Kilo, mm-hmm. um, who's the younger player, but obviously the ball went against that. There's a couple of decisions he made that were against what he'd done in preseason, which may have even hurt them even more because Townsend was their wing back and he helped certainly once he'd come on and sort of doing funny things like that. Almost went against yeah. what he wanted. If you're gonna do that system change and you're gonna do it in almost a ripping off the plaster manner, which he is doing, rather than slowly implementing it, you'd imagine he would have stuck to his guns a little bit more because the, the areas in which he sort of he made concessions in were the areas in which Town hurt them the most.
0: Yeah, I, I don't understand why he wouldn't start Andros Townsend. He's shown, you know, throughout his career at, at Tottenham and Newcastle, um, funnily, uh, that he can score goals. And in the Premier League, that is an asset which you can't put a price on. Um, so, and when when he came on, uh, I think they looked a bit more dangerous. I still don't think they looked particularly good going forward. Um, Fosu-Mensah was one of the standout players who you mentioned before the tackle on on Meunier. I think quite a lot of players, especially at two nil down, would have given up on that and would have just let Mounier had that free shot <laughs> and goal. Um, but no, I, Palace you kind of struggle to see positives out of their game because town was so dominant and you know, it was, it was an imperious performance from David Wagner's side.
1: I think we said last time as well, that we can see Palace finishing the season stronger than they started just because of what happened. And I think we've said previously as well, that we wouldn't be too shocked to see town start fast Mm -hmm. because they've been written off because You know, all these people saying they're not very good, it's clearly going to seep through to some level and people will underestimate them and not give them the respect they deserve and more specifically the manager, the respect he deserves given how he can set up a team, identify the weakness in his opponents with his backroom staff and create a game plan to make the most of it within the parameters of his ideology. And I think the biggest sign for that for me was before a ball was kicked when you saw... Phil Billings' name on the starting eleven, and not Danny Williams because I think 99 out of 100 people given the choice or asked the question, who do you think is going to cover for Hogg? We did an entire section on this last time, mm. how Danny Williams... I think I wrote an entire article about it. Danny Williams is the man that you want to come in and do the Jonathan Hogg role and noticing and identifying that Palace wanted to play a possession-based game and deciding that he was going to back his players and fight fire with fire... Town probably don't win that game 3-0 if Williams starts because the passing and the extra attacking initiative that Billing has, who was fabulous in his performance, even in the defensive and both him and my mucked in as they needed to. It was a risky decision on paper. It was one that I had doubts over. Having seen it, just my initial reaction was, oh, you know, he's clearly, you know, balls out is, I think, the phrase I used. Mm. Um, you know, texting my friend that I go watch the games and sort of going, this is a an interesting roll of the dice. And he was saying, oh, but, you know, we know Billing can defend. And it's, like, it's not the same as Hogg. There was some trepidation there. I was thinking maybe we're going to leave ourselves a bit short on the first day. But that shows you just how confident Wagner is in this team and and how confident he is in the manner they play football.
0: Yeah, um, I'd also say, just to add to that, that, that Phil Billing had an excellent pre season. And I think, you know, everyone, pretty much everyone in the squad stood up and, you know, put their hand up in pre season and put doubt in Wagner's mind as to what his, his starting 11 would be. I thought Philip Billing was, was excellent against Torino, um, as well as multiple of the other games that he played in in, in pre season. So, as much as we all expected Williams to start away from home, first game in the Premier League. As you say, maybe maybe on paper it, it wasn't actually that much of a risk because of the way he's played in preseason, because of Frank de Boer just coming in, and because of the possession style of football they wanted to play. Maybe looking back at it, it wasn't it wasn't a decision that anyone saw happening, but it kind of now now looking back at the game makes sense. So I think it just it's another. Further in the cap of David Wagner, isn't it, to have the foresight which not many other people did, and to to start Phil Billing, who was, as you say, exceptional. him and Aaron Moy. The the thing that the thing that that game now puts into Wagner's mind is, well, against Newcastle, who do you start? You know, Newcastle might sort of sit back as they did last season when they came to to Huddersfield.
1: There appears to be no reason to change that starting eleven.
0: No, but I think, but I think David Wagner's going to look at the opposition, and, and I wouldn't be surprised if he makes two or three changes. I mean, everyone had an exceptional game, so you think, well, why not? But in, in David Wagner's mind, there is a game plan for Crystal Palace away, and there is a game plan for Huddersfield, uh, for Newcastle United,
1: sorry, at home. And what would be the changes you might sort of second-guess in making?
0: <laughs> well, that's, that's the million-dollar question, isn't it? The, if the you, you, know, you, know, you know
1: you know Newcastle better than most people, so what is the Huddersfield team you would set out to... to you know, undo Benitez and beat that Newcastle team. Well,
0: it's it's a different proposition now without John Joe Shelby in the team because they're really, a better team without him.
1: No, well, <laughs> personally, I
0: don't think they are. Like, I think Huddersfield Huddersfield would have started with Danny Williams if John Joe Shelby had started because you would just stick him on. Because if you stifle John Joe Shelby, you stifle every attacking outlet that that Newcastle have really. Um, Other than that, the person that stood out this weekend from a Newcastle perspective was Christian Atsu, playing on the left wing. Um, And to be honest, I think the one player who maybe struggled for town last week was Tommy Smith. Obviously, he's coming back from the injury, so that's what we'll put it down to, I think. And he was also up against Wilfred Zaha, who's one of the the better players on the pitch. So it'll be interesting to see how they deal with that. I think that'll mean that Kachunga will start again on on the right. I wouldn't be surprised if we saw Rajiv Van Lepara coming in on the left and maybe Casey Palmer dropping to the bench, Tom Ince down the middle, or either of those two starting, really.
1: Tom Ince, by the way, if we rewind and go right to the start of the game, could have got even, off to an even better start. The young goal, obviously, what started it after Zanker at the far yeah. post squared it, but Tom Ince popped up out of nowhere and had the one-on-one on the volley and given his form pre-season, you'd imagine him out of found the back of the net with that.
0: Yeah, t- I think it took a bit of a flick before it came to him and he just couldn't quite sort his feet out um, to start with. Apart from that, he had quite a quiet game. But I would say he had a quiet game, but did the defensive part of his game really well, which was the question mark, really, when he when we, when we Town were first linked to, uh, to Tom Ince.
1: When we ran the numbers, though, he clearly showed that even in a derby team that weren't as defensively minded, off the ball as Huddersfield are because every single member of that 11 has to press and has to go to try and win the ball back as quickly as possible that's the entire Wagner Mm. philosophy even in that derby team he was still posting comparable numbers to the Huddersfield players
0: yeah and I think we saw that in the flesh on on Saturday I thought he was he was really good he he chipped in and did you know in pre-season I think he grabbed a few headlines because he scored a few goals but he he did what goes unnoticed quite a lot i think last last week and uh, him and and chris lover on that left hand side just looked looked comfortable throughout the game um and i think you know lover he made some one particular challenge on on wilfred Zaha which was a goal saving challenge really and i think you know it's it, it's quite hard to put into words just how good huddersfield town were in all aspects <laughs> uh, on saturday it was it was a complete performance and it was a performance which gives you so much confidence going into the rest of the season.
1: If we concentrate on Lover though, just for a minute, because he was one of the standouts for me, and he was last season as well, he's a very understated player in what he does. And I think that almost works against him because he's not the type of player to make that many last-ditch challenges, even though he had to on the weekend. He's one of those defenders who puts out a fire while it's still in embers rather than having to fight it while it's at its height you know there there's times where you know certain defenders get a big hype because they're always seen as making you know these heroic challenges, always the last man always here and there, and usually that's because. They don't have the foresight to stop a move before it gets to that level. I remember at Spurs, Ledley King was always like that. He was he was always sort of underrated because he did the work before most defenders knew it was there. And Lever reminds me of that because he goes under radar and hardly ever a right side of the opposition have any joy against him because he's everywhere, he's tenacious, he's constantly winning the ball. One of the fittest players in the squad in terms of how relentless his press is fantastic on the ball overlaps when he can he looked like he'd been playing in the premier league his entire career
0: yeah he's one of those players who will give you he'll give you sevens and eights every single week and i i can't since he joined i can't think i can't remember of a game which he was at fault for any goal really um
1: The only time I've ever seen him rattled as well was um, Wigan at home last year when we lost. He put in a a bit of a late one on Max Power as he's won two because he's a bit chippy. You can tell he's been a captain elsewhere because he's not afraid of of telling people what he thinks and and getting stuck in, especially for a short look as well. And uh, yeah, Max Power put in a bit of a late one. Max Power gave him one back and those two were chipping at each other the entire game. Squared up more than once, and when Wigan won, sort of snatched the game. Rather than go and celebrate with his teammates, Max Power ran across the field to go and give it Lover in his face, and he looked a bit taken aback by that because I think he'd obviously expected Town to win that, and given sort of they were going at each other, you know, he's got that bit of spark in him.
0: Yeah, I wouldn't say that was again though. That there's there's, not there's nothing defensively, game, yeah. yeah, which which, which anything wrong. And to be honest, I don't see anything wrong with having a bit of a go against someone on the other team you know you like those those individual battles across the park
1: he's just calm um, and collected the rest of the time though. so it was a, it was a strange thing to see him sort well, of
0: well you say that but I think he I think he shows quite a lot of fire quite a lot of the time I think he, he as you say he was captain at Kaiserslautern before he came to came to Huddersfield and he, he he lets his teammates know if if he's not happy with them I think he's he's understated on the pitch and and probably underappreciated as you say because he puts out fires before they start but I think he's also, he's underrated as a voice in the dressing room. Um, I know uh, like quite a lot of people at, at Huddersfield Town kind of, they see him as this emotionless sort of machine in that, like he never smiles, never does this, never does that. Um, and like, there was, when he signed his new contract, he sent he sent one of the, the press officers there a message saying, I am happy today, just to let him know that he does feel emotion. Um, but I think, I think on the pitch, he does do a bit of screaming and I think he probably is a bigger character in the dressing room than you might think of just because it that's the sort of person he is
1: yeah he seems to be one of the one of the players the other German players look up to the most if you ever hear heff or Schindler speak about sort of their little clique and, and what they discuss even Kachunga and Quanner as well. They always point to Lever as one of the ones who will sort of keep him in check.
0: Yeah, um, I'm, to be honest, when when the vice captains were announced last week, it was uh, Christopher Schindler and Jonathan Hogg, vice captains, two unbelievable players and two people who could be captains of a football team in their own right. Yeah, I'm surprised there wasn't three, and Chris Lever was was named in the in that sort of that that vice captain group as well. But you know, I think he's he's invaluable to the
1: squad, not only on the pitch but in the dressing room. We we spoke a lot about how Scott Malone may be there to try and challenge him. On the evidence of that performance, though, he, it's going to be a hard jumper to win.
0: No, yeah. It's going to be, you know, it's an, it's an uphill battle, especially when you're the new player coming in and trying to dislodge a guy who hasn't put a foot wrong all season. It's not that, you know, it, Scott Malone can play as well as anyone in, in on the training pitch, but unless Chris Lurva... No, picks up an injury or does something wrong or or starts hitting a bad run of form, there's no way that he's going to dislodge that, him from that position because he's just been so consistent for town and he's been consistently good. It's not been like average performances after average performances. It's been top-level performances against any team in the Championship and, and now one, one in the Premier League too.
1: If we touch on a player who we'd sort of had worries about previously... The reports coming out of Germany when we signed him had essentially called him the worst keeper in the Bundesliga. That's not putting too fine a point on it. That is essentially a direct quote from several different sources who had seen him more than we had. But Lossel was outstanding. He was head and shoulders the better keeper on the park and one of town's better players because Palace had chances and there's no hiding from the fact that On occasion going forward, they did click and they did have openings. But on more than one occasion, he made the big difference. I know we we touched on it earlier, but just to give him his own individual prayers. The one with his foot, I think, was just, you know, classic keeping. Sensational for me. Making himself big. Zaha didn't, you know, we had this discussion in the office earlier. I said that a better player finishes there, chips it up a little bit, you know, dinks it. You said. It's pretty much going in the corner.
0: I think it was going right in the nestling in the in the bottom corner. I think maybe he could have chipped it, but I think Lursel made himself big enough so that if he did chip it, it was probably going to hit his chest or one of his arms as well. So to save that with your foot, because I think keepers when they come out, they make themselves big, but they make they kind of forget about the bottom half of themselves quite a lot of the time. And the amount of times you see the ball going through keepers' legs and that kind of stuff, the position he got himself into was just sensational and then in the second half the save from the Benteke header again I'd say maybe seven times out of ten that beats the keeper for pace and goes in that was my favorite yeah and then in addition to that, his distribution as well for the third goal uh, on match of the day they were saying Patrick van Aanholt was was miles out of position he may have been but that was an inch perfect pass to Colin Kwaner you know over the halfway line from Lurssel so and then and then Big Cole does what he does best and, and rolls it into the path of Mounier. And and I think as well that, that third goal just showed how well Lursel performed because compared to Wayne Hennessy, you know, Steve Mounier hit that pretty well, but should the keeper have saved it? I think it's savable height. I think he probably should have tipped that round the post. Um and then for the first goal as well, Hennessy was nowhere obviously the the flick kind of took him out of the game from Schindler, but he was nowhere near his goal line. You know, where was he? So I think Lursel there was, again, like quite a lot of the town players who played on Saturday, there is nothing in that performance which I can say bad against him.
1: And we we said it before as well when we were sort of discussing any worries and any confidence issues he might have is that if he has another couple of games as well as he's played against Palace, then his confidence goes through the roof. His manager singled him out in his post-match comments to, to say how proud of him he was and, and how much of town skin he'd saved. Because, you know, on another day, if those two goals go in... yeah. It's a three-two, and it's far more panicky than it ever has been previously. We saw Burnley go 3 0 up, and and you know almost get pegged back. If that game had gone on five minutes longer, maybe they would have been. But because Town pretty much took Palace's legs out from underneath them and, and winded their confidence, and you know, it was uh, we keep calling it a complete performance, but it's a complete performance in not just how they played on the field, but how they stopped them as well. Mm. Um, so it wasn't just an offensive, um, impressive offensively, but the way they stopped them defensively was was even more positive, if anything, because town are going to be on the back foot for some of these games. And, you know, people have had the statistics that Palace have had more shots, more shots in the box and all that sort of stuff, but they didn't score. They didn't really come that close to scoring. The keeper was there each and every time they, they had an half chance, so... There's every which way you try and slice it, it's a positive for tell.
0: Yeah, and I think what it shows more than anything is that the the, the identity that David Wagner's brought into to Huddersfield Town, the the pressing system works in the Premier League, and it's you know people say oh yeah you know Jurgen Klopp does the geggen pressing. It's it's a different style of football, although they kind of put a lot of of uh, earnest on the, on the counter press. Both of them, they do play a different style of football. And what it showed against Crystal Palace, yes, it's, it's a team sort of in transition, but it showed that this system with these players works in the Premier League. And I think as well, just be, Palace aren't going to be, they're not going to be a top top half side this season. They're going to be in a relegation scrap. So that three points early doors away from home against Palace, that, that is worth six points already to Huddersfield Town. And I wrote in my sort of five things after the game, that it's only 37 more points to go. Obviously, David Wagner's put no limits on the squad again this season and that kind of thing, but, you know, get to 40 points and anything... It's kind of like Leicester did in 20, when they won the league in 2015-16 or 14, 15 um, And every every week, Ranieri is saying, Yep, yeah, we're three points closer to the 40-point mark. And then they get above the 40-point mark and they say, yeah, well... You know, three points to to the total. We'll see where we go from here. That's what that's the Huddersfield Town approach. I'm not saying they're going to win the league or anything like that, but it's 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 a refreshing approach and it's one that I think will pay off in in the long run.
1: You you touched on Mooney's second goal there. Um, I didn't want to drag you out of your, your what you were Monologue. saying. Yeah, <laughs> but um, I think you're a bit harsh because I think the speed at which he took it and the fact that he took it first time and early is what undid the keeper. Perhaps mm-hmm. if he had taken a touch and sort of, you know, got it out of his feet a bit more. I think he, you know, the speed at which he took it was what undid for him. And I think, because he had it in his mind about the Fossumento one, where mm. he, he got caught back, he yeah, didn't want to dally. So I think it's positive that he's clearly learnt from not taking too long. And, first opportunity he's got afterwards he slapped it in the back of the net yeah well
0: it's, it's like they say isn't it if you don't buy a ticket you know win the raffle and that's you know it's a football cliche but it's true like you've got to hit it for me he hits it well he hits it he hits it early he hits it with a decent amount of speed and and he put a bit of bend on it but you know that for me that's wayne Hennessy's hands like Chris Packett then you know he didn't get a firm hand on it at all and you know, I, I would be disappointed if I was the keeper and I didn't keep that out. Did he um, get a hand on it at all? He did get a hand on it, yeah. But it just flicked, it kind of bent back his last, his sort of two fingers on his left hand. And, you know, I, he kind of added a little dive on it, a little roll at the end, but <laughs> he could have stood there and put out a hand for me. Uh, I think, as you say, he was taken by surprise about how early Steve Mooney hit it, which is, I think, that's why it went in. But, you know, I, I think, I think a better keeper saves that.
1: His performance all round was really positive. His header, I mean, he headed the air out of the ball. It's fantastic to watch him leap. What what stood
0: out for me was the movement before that as well, because he he started on the left-hand side from the throw-in, peeled off, got into the centre of the box, peeled off the defender around the back, and then just kind of out of nowhere turns up and and absolutely buries it. Cross
1: from Aaron Moy was absolute pinpoint as well.
0: Left-footed as well, it was just... But again... As we, as much as Town were really good, there was absolutely no defender on Aaron He had he had hours to. Well, Lover again.
1: Aramoy. Lever did really well. Yeah, took his man inside. Took two men out of the game with his ball across to Moy. So, um, you can see, sort of the same combinations and the same things that worked for Town previously, are still going to work against the teams that they're going to be in and around this season, yeah. which is a huge positive. Because there is that worry, the step-up is obviously huge, the difference in, in everything with the Premier League is massive, but having that knowledge that, you know what, the football we play and the the ideas we have are sound and nothing is wrong with that. So as long as we stick to who we are, which is what, what Wagner said he's going to do all along, what the players have all said when asked about it, Knowing that that has a foundation and actually working is is going to be massive for them.
0: Yeah, absolutely, and I think you know the system was proven last year, and it's this from the first week in the Premier League. It looks like it's going to work again. One thing I would say is that the defenders that you're going to come up against every week aren't going to be as statuesque as uh, Crystal Palaces at the weekend. But again, you can't take anything away from Town because they put in a complete performance they put you know every player on the pitch outplayed every other player the individual battles Tam won 11 out of 11 so if they can continue to play at that level with those players seeming to gel as well as they did despite some of them coming in only sort of three weeks ago four weeks ago you know it's it's it, it, it's only going to breed confidence throughout the season for Tam
1: If we concentrate on, just for two minutes, on on Moy and Billing, because we've not spoken about them enough, I don't feel, because that first band of midfield is so important in a 4-2-3-1. It's essentially the link between defence and attack. It's where town were best last season, and we we discussed how the risk of playing Billing instead of Williams with, with Hogg missing, but those two together seem to come up with an understanding of when it was right to drop back, defend, play an easy ball, use each other. And it seemed to have less of an onus on Moy to be the creative outlet Mm -hmm. with Billing there as well, because it can both do a similar job. It was almost like Crystal Palace knew that Moy was going to be the creative hub, and on occasions where he was double-marked and people were trying to chase him down, he was able to give the easy ball to Billing, who was often unmarked, and he would be able to distribute it. And I think... That, going forwards, might be a combination that is worth using more because we we thought previously it might be too lightweight, not defensively minded enough. I don't think we're going to go to one of the top four away and play those two in midfield together. We may even play three and one of them as well just Mm. to shore up the defensive side of things. But as a sort of a a test run, and even more so than in pre-season or anywhere... It worked fantastically and those two seem between them to have the intelligence, the understanding and sort of the what's the word I'm looking for? The the control in and temperament in being able to to not try and out Hollywood past each other, not battling each other but working together to essentially do both the defensive and the attacking jobs together rather than you know, splitting it up and and stepping on each other's toes.
0: Yeah, they they ran the show. They ran the show on on Saturday, and I think the one thing that that they did more so than any anyone on Crystal Palace's team was control the tempo. So as you say, they knew when to go forward, they knew when to to sit back and and break things up a little bit. And I think that it it just showed as well for me that Aaron Moy, we know what he can do. Phil Billings always had the the sort of talent and the raw skill, but maybe he was didn't quite fulfil it last season. The performance that he put in alongside Moore, you couldn't tell who was the senior pro. They were both exceptional. Um, I think maybe one of the reasons why David Wagner decided to pick them both was because Danny Williams hasn't had as long a time in that sort of system. He's maybe not as sort of indoctrinated into into the geg and pressing system as those two. They both understand what what's needed. They both sort of did it last season. Um, and yeah, and I think one thing that David Wagner said building into this game we asked him um, what uh, sorry in the in the last day in Austria we asked him what the sort of plan was for the rest of the week yeah, building up to to the first game at Crystal Palace and he said it was quite a lot of transition work so it was going from knowing when to go from defence to attack knowing when to press hard knowing when to sit back a little bit and obviously that is just that I don't know if they, if it was the full week that they did on it but there was definitely a lot of transition work that has just paid off sort of tenfold because
1: the,
0: as we say town, Towns midfielders ran the show and the transitions and the, and the decision making that they had throughout the game was was exceptional and that's you know that led to Towns three goals and you know it was, it was as we say a, a completely dominant performance going from starting from the back forward but especially in the midfield.
1: If we look at the one area of concern there may have been, which was at right back, Tommy Smith got booked for a late one, um, could have been sent off for a little bit of a cheeky tug back on Zaha. I think the referee thought I'd crossed his mind. Uh, It certainly crossed David Wagner's mind because he pulled him off not soon after. Um, What do you make of that performance? Was it just a little bit of competitive ring rust? He's been out for most of the summer. He looked a bit short. He was getting a bit leggy. Um, It's not Going forwards, he was he was good. He was still making the overlaps. He was still threatening there. It was just a player of Zaha's ability and not being, you know, on point, not being the sharpest, has been seemed to expose a little bit of flaws in him that usually wouldn't be there.
0: Yeah, I think he only played forty five minutes in preseason, and you know, as as much as David Wagner's teams are always going to be fit anyway, no matter what they play, there is, you know, it's different playing in a friendly game to playing in a competitive Premier League game. Uh, That was highlighted because he had Wilfred Zaha on on him most of the game. Uh, I thought the first yellow card was probably a little bit harsh and it was more of a totting up that, that he got given it for. In the second half, the pullback on Zaha, if Zaha had gone down there, that would have been the second yellow card with no shadow of a doubt. Um, But to be fair to him, Zaha stood up and then Chris Lurva sort of saved Tommy Smith's bacon in a way.
1: I think Smith realised what he was doing as he was doing it and sort of managed to pull out in time to not make full contact with Zaha. It was sort of a... You could see the thought had crossed his mind, but he didn't go through with it properly.
0: Yeah, I think, to be honest, as much as he may have been found... Not found out, he, he might have not had the strongest game that he, he's had, I think it was a smart move from David Wagner to start him. First of all, because he's, he's now the club captain and I think as much as he might not have been fully fit or maybe not fully fit, but not match fit, I think, you know, I think you would have struggled to tell Tommy Smith he's not starting in the first Premier League game in the club's history, especially as captain. I also think, you know, he's not going to get any more match fitness by sitting on the bench. So I think you've got to sort of Throw him in at the deep end, and to be honest, Crystal Palace is not a bad game to to do that. Even though they have Wilfred Zaha,
1: he's not the first right back that's ever struggled against Wilfred Zaha either. No,
0: exactly, and I, I don't think I don't think him fully fit would have had a because he didn't have a poor game anyway. But I don't think he would have had he wouldn't have had that much trouble there was just,
1: fully fit. There were uncharacteristic mistakes that were present based on his lack of match fitness and yeah. his lack of preparation. And, and that is not entirely his fault. You can't really, you know, um, you can't really count against him for for that. And what this feeds into is the fact that Towns still don't have a backup right-back. We celebrated and hooped and hollered last week because and we were told, was having his medical and was days away from joining the club and... We're here now, days later, and he's still not signed and there are rumours, leaks, however you want to call them, that say he failed his medical due to some ongoing back back issues, yeah? Yeah,
0: Yeah, to be honest, it's all hearsay at the minute. Um, Who was it? it, um, I think someone at The Sun said it was a back issue which had kept him out. We've spoken to the club, they're being sort of less... You know, They're they're not saying that he has or has not failed it. Um, And then... And uh, Barnsley manager Paul Heckingbottom saying that, by all accounts, he, f- from his perspective, it's still going ahead. The the deal is the fee has been agreed. Um, so yeah, it's kind of all up in the air at the minute, and it's. It's going to be one of those things which is just going to drag on and on and on, it seems. But
1: Dimitri Kavaris sat by his mobile. <laughs> <laughs> I, d-
0: I think Kavaris is done and dusted now. Well, Wagner
1: pretty much said we're not signing him, so it yeah. would be really bizarre if they went back and signed yeah. him now. There was a weird rumour last week that apparently... Kavari was who Barnsley wanted to replace Yadam and the reason we took him on trial was so that Barnsley could get a better look at him it was a really weird strange sort of thing. This is
0: where the rumour mill on Twitter takes full effect and people you know they're looking for sort of storylines like that where everything comes for full circle but football is much more random than that you don't get... Town looking at a player so Barnsley can look at him so he can get a Barnsley
1: player in. And now it's. I, you get yeah. into jet fuel steel beams territory. Yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, <laughs> if we, Area 51. Yeah, if we move on from, from conspiracy theories concerning right backs, hopefully the item thing will be done this week. If not, the club have got to sort of come out and let us know one way or another because it'll be really strange if he suddenly goes back to being Barnsley starting right back and yeah. the whole thing's brushed under the carpet, especially after Wagner had so publicly sort of hinted at, at what was to happen. But if we discuss the manager a little bit more, talked about his tactics, can't praise him enough for what happened off the on the field, but if we look at what he said off the field, he was very humble, as he always is, He didn't take anything for granted. You know, was never drawn on the fact that Town were top of the table overnight. Man United obviously knocked him off after knocking four past one of the worst West Ham performances I think any of us have ever seen. If we're looking at a team that might be going down, there's your primary candidates. Um, But he, he, he seemed to want to play down the achievement, which sort of feeds into the whole Terrier identity and being underdogs. He almost doesn't want the cat out of the bag and for people to get ahead of themselves now and start putting additional pressure on Huddersfield just because they've won one game 3-0. No.
0: I think, yeah, I think what he likes to do is he, he likes to have this back-to-the-wall sort of attitude. So, I think, to be honest, quite a lot of them in, will enjoy that the fact that they've won but when it comes to Monday morning they're back in training it's kind, of, it's kind of gone and the next game becomes the first game of the season. Everything previous to that is just ignored by the head coach and that then bubbles its way sort of down to filters its way down to the the players. So, from what he said, it, it's it's very much the David Wagner of last season. You know, no limits, all one win doesn't mean that we're going to stay up and that kind of thing. Um, and I think we'll see that for the rest of the season. And I think that's really kind of how Town are gonna are gonna do it. They're gonna go under the radar. They're gonna continue to play it down they're going to continue to remember where they've come from in the like back in the league one days and and that in the dark days down there so no i think he played it really really well as he has done in his whole time at Huddersfield
1: town um and he'll continue to do that until the cows come home he was really measured on how he behaved on the touchline as well because we've seen him plenty of times sort of you know, run over, jump on, you know, Gary Monk famously stepped out in front of him, had a bit of a scuffle. Mm. He seemed to really try and hold all that in for the first weekend at least. I'm not, you know, if it had been a 90th minute winner and sort of that would have been it, maybe there would have been less of that. But he seemed to want to keep a cap on things more than he has done previously. It's almost as if he he's trying to be inside himself a little bit more so that he doesn't, Become the story and get in trouble a little bit. Is that something you noticed? Uh,
0: I I agree with that. I think the only emotion we really saw from him was was when the substitutions were being made and, and Munier came off and he like you know grabbed him sort of round the head and, and really was passionately saying he gave him you know. a slap didn't he and yeah. then he his head look taken yeah, aback exactly. It. But that that's where the passion comes out. But I think maybe I don't think he's trying to keep a lid on it to make himself not the headline because to be honest his tactical astuteness makes in the headline more or less every week anyway um I think he's trying to I think he was trying to play it down because I think he's trying to get across to his players in his manner that this is where they belong and that a win in the Premier League isn't isn't something to celebrate because it's not going to be something which is that rare I think that's what he's trying to get across and he's trying to as much as all the fans were celebrating, all the players were, were joyous at the at the fact that they won one game in the Premier League. I think David Wagner is thinking, well, you know, you can be happy about this result as you can be happy about every win that you get in the Premier League. But, you know, we're not here to make up the numbers. We're not here to celebrate when we beat Crystal Palace. We'll celebrate big when we beat, you know, Man United, Man City and that kind of thing. I think it, what he's, he's trying to get across in his manner is that it's not about
1: having a day out I, yeah, I get what you're saying you don't yeah. you want to act like you belong in the Premier exactly. League rather than you look like competition winners every exactly
0: week. and I think you know it, as it, as you say it's not You know, we haven't just won the lottery Town are yeah. there on merit they're winning football matches on merit in the Premier League well they've won one football match <laughs> in, merit in the Premier League and I think you know David Wagner's just saying you know yeah this is where this is where we belong we're not going to be that that team, you know, when when Blackpool won, won a lot of games in their first season in the Premier League when they just come up, they won a few games early on, and there was a lot of celebrations. But then, as well, they went down. So I think, you know, he, he's also thinking, you know, we're here, we deserve to be here, but we've got a lot more work to do, as he said in, this, in uh, after the game.
1: What was the atmosphere like? Because we have had all the videos pouring out. We've spoken to people who've been there, and it sounded amazing. Everyone, you know, the euphoria looked sort of so strange and almost looked like the the town fans couldn't believe what they were seeing at some point and you know we've had tales of people falling over in celebrations and all that sort of a thing and who can blame them given the the performance and the scoreline but did that come across across crossing the stadium you were obviously on the other side in a bit of a weird position yeah
0: yeah we're in a strange position the press box is it's kind of inside and you only have like a a sliver of the pitch to look at so you, you rely on, on the little sort of screen that you have next to you so you still get the atmosphere because it is sort of an open indoor space if it <laughs> makes any sort of sense um, it doesn't but I'll let yeah. you continue <laughs> we we're, were on the other side to the, the town fans and I think that before the game the noise was exceptional but you could still hear the town fans singing over the palace fans quite a lot of the time and for a, a place like Sellers Park which is pretty famous for its atmosphere you know that, that was a, a real feather in the cap of the town
1: fans but Premier what, League were having a laugh, I think, is how it went. Yeah, yeah, but I, I think
0: it was weird because the first goal went in in the 25th minute and it was not against the run of play by any stretch of the imagination. And then the next goal goes in two minutes afterwards. And after that, it was it was a library. It was a library in Sellers Park, apart from the town fans who were seeing throughout the whole game. Um, and I think as well... Because of the system that they were trying to play, the possession football, which just wasn't working for Palace, the fans turned on the players immediately because, you know, there was like long balls going out thirty yards past a player and like it was just it was really scratchy. So it was kind of a weird atmosphere to see the elation of Huddersfield Town fans to the Crystal Palace fans, who obviously thought with Frank De Burr they're gonna have a bit more sort of Nicer looking football, rather total than, football, total football, exactly. At least I got to and see Huddersfield was,
1: play total football. Yeah, well, <laughs> uh, you,
0: you got the you got the the contrast from the town fans who were over the moon to the Crystal Palace fans having that crushing realisation down to a, <laughs> that they're going to be in another in another relegation scrap. So, it was well, I I'm actually.
1: not sure. They, as it, it entirely depends on how quickly his ideas come across and how patient the club are. I mean. There is an argument to be made. It could go down the, the way you're suggesting and they're never truly cotton on to what he wants. Maybe he's asking them to do too much too well, soon.
0: What I'm saying is that I think that he will go, he will get sacked before he can get his, his big ideas shout. across. Because I, I think in the Premier League, also Crystal Palace have a record of sacking managers. I also think in the Premier League, you don't get the time that you maybe deserve. I th- I still think that he's, he's probably a good manager and... At Ajax, it was kind of he was brought up in the Ajax system, so getting his ideas across was easy. Hmm. At Inter Milan, which you know, it, Italian football doesn't have the same sort of microscope on it as English football does. If he couldn't get it across in Italy particularly well, I don't think he stands much of a chance in in the sort of time frame that we're talking about for a manager to be sacked to get it across at Palace.
1: I think the thing that counts against him both on both Inter and at Palace, is that he's essentially trying to put in a very specific mindset and way of playing with somebody else's squad. Mm-hmm. And what I would compare it to is when Wagner first joined Huddersfield in 2015, November 2015, the results weren't perfect straight away, but the style of football got better, yeah. purely because he was using Chris Powell's squad. And the reason Town had the upturn was he was able to bring in his yeah. own players. So... I think Palace, if they know what they're doing and if they if they back their manager, they should give him until Christmas at the very least to try and get something out of his existing squad. Mm-hmm. And in January, if he needs one or two more to get, you know, bed in what he wants to do more, then that's the way it should go because it's no surprise to me that the new players are the ones that perform best for Palace.
0: Yeah, well... I, I agree with what you're saying, and I think you should get given the time. The problem is the money in the Premier League now. If you lose a string of games, it's it's this sort of... You know, it's results. It boils down to results, and if you lose six games in a row or if you pick up, I don't know, like five points from 15 games, you're going to get sacked. That's, that's just the way it is, and as much as we want to see nice football being played, it's season by season now. Quite a lot of the teams in the Premier League from maybe... Bottom twelve. It's very much a hand-to-mouth sort of thing. You 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 play by season. You can't plan for the future. You have to plan to stay in the Premier League, and then after that, you try and build and 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 maybe go on a cup run here and there. But the first thought is Premier League survival. And from from the performance that we saw from Palace, although Town were exceptional, from the performance that we saw from Palace, that's it's going to be an ask for them. It's going to be a struggle to get to get his system across and to stay in the Premier League.
1: It sort of makes your heart feel. And recognize again how lucky we are to have Hoyle and Wagner and how well they get on with each other and sort of how much time he's been afforded and everything that there were a few people who yeah. said well, silly things about Hoyle guaranteeing that one way or another Wagner would still be at the club club at the end of the season, but I think that's just a just a testament to their belief in one another and what they're doing with the club as a whole I
0: think they were able as well to in the championship it's a bit different because although the money is more in the Championship compared to League One, the gap from the Premier League to the Championship is in like, is vast. So, for a club like Huddersfield Town, it's kind of like like you thought Newcastle might be able to do it last season when they got relegated. You thought, all right, okay, well, Rafa's in there. Now he can, he can like rebuild the squad and do this and do that. But he bought players to get out of the Championship and now he's having to do it again. Whereas Huddersfield Town got into the Championship, you know, Wagner gets in and it's easier for Dean Hoyle to stick with him and buy into the philosophy because it's kind of, it's, it's a building club rather than having to go down and come back up. You're just constantly building on the momentum of the season before. Whereas when you're in the Premier League, you, there's no momentum. It stops. It's, you know, you can't build. You just have a team. You have your, you go up with a squad and then you buy your players here and there to sort of continue to stay in the Premier League. So there's no momentum going forward whereas Town have the momentum and I think that is especially for David Wagner's team who sort of buy into his philosophy and and that thing the, the momentum's massive for them and it and it counts for extra. So I just think for Palace there's just there's there's nothing there compared to what they have at Huddersfield Town.
1: Um, we've got one question from Twitter let me just pull it up here it's from Adam Clark who asks have you guys watched any reserve or junior games at the club and are there any players coming through we should watch out for
0: simple answer not recently because it's you know start of the season not really had chance you know Austria and that kind of stuff Um, Ryan Schofield is obviously the he's the obvious one the primary one that's coming through he's now in the first team squad the under
1: 19 seem to have quite a few coming through um, that look promising and what we do know is that Wagner's had his say on the football they play and he wants them to ape the first team as much as possible so that if he ever does have to go into the youth teams for any reason, there is talent there trained in the manner that he would train them so that they can slot in as seamlessly as possible.
0: Yeah, absolutely. I think it's... We just spoke about sort of building the club. You build the club from the bottom upwards and and you try and get that system in place so that people can slot in from from the youth teams um you know i think um Romani Edwards Green Ed, Romani Edmunds Green sorry joined the first team squad out in austria um you know he's obviously one that david wagner has has pinpointed as maybe being able to break through into the lineup
1: there's that really promising australian left back that's playing for the under 23s <laughs> <20 visas. laughs> <laughs> um, sorry I, I can't help myself
0: yeah, but uh, it, he looked he looked fit in Austria. He looked, you know, able to to keep up with the first team, and you know he's a youngster, so he maybe he's one to look out for. I've heard um, a lot
1: of good things about Jack Boyle. Who's yes, he scored
0: yeah scored a lot of goals for for the under 23s
1: from midfield as well.
0: Yeah, yeah. No, he's he, he looks a decent player. Danny Kane as well, um, who's a Republic of Ireland under twenty one actually plays for the under twenty three squad. So there are there are players coming through. It's just as we said before it's about getting them used to the style of football and it's going to take a couple of years to do that especially at that younger age so there's
1: been a lot of coaching changes in the youth team as well like there seem to be rotating managers down there quite often so it's clearly a priority there's clearly a focus on making sure their talent are as well coached and well trained and well prepared as possible and the club aren't scared to make changes if they yeah. don't think that's being done
0: well I think that's I think that's what Huddersfield Town have to do. If they want to be a, a Premier League club for season after season, I think the model they, they have to follow, although, you know, David Wagner says we're not going to follow anyone's model, we're going to find it our own way. But in terms of the academy, you know, looking at Southampton, who just produce like a string of players from their own academy who, who make it into the first team lineup and who are some of the best players in the first team lineup as well, it's, it's the way you can, you know, it, it, it's free Premier League standard players. So I think David Wagner, obviously, when he came in, has highlighted that as, as an area which they can compete with the big clubs in doing. It's going to take a bit of time to get used to it. And, you know, you, as you say, there's been a lot of changeover. It's, you know, it's going to take time to find the right people, to, you know, fill the right roles and that kind of thing. But it's something that they're feeling their way around. And, you know, it, as, as we said, it's, it's something that can be beneficial to town in the long term.
1: The one thing I would say as well is that there's a lot of patience that needs to be had with academies because um, I'm a Tottenham supporter, obviously, and we've seen the sort of talent that's coming through the Tottenham Academy now. Harry Kane, Carl Walker-Peters made his debut, man of the match. Um, Harry Wink's played as well. So many players, Andros Townsend who played against us, all these Mm. players that have come through, most of which have actually been England internationals as well. They didn't crop up out of nowhere. It was around 10 years ago, the club strategically changed the philosophy of the academy, invested in it far more heavily, and from having hardly anyone come through the academy, there was Saul Campbell, who we don't speak about, and Ledley King, who we do. After that, there was a dirge. There was nobody for a long time. And then suddenly, people are talking, the Tottenham Academy, and it's not because overnight something's happened, it's because 10 years ago there was a change that was made. So we may not see the next crop of big Huddersfield Town youth recruits next season or the season after, but five, ten years down the line, we could be having a spine of local lads in the team because the club have now in the past season or two seem to have prioritised the academy and, and bringing that up to scratch more than they had done previously.
0: Yeah, I think as well... Academy players seem to—they seem to sort of come through in in gluts, really, don't they? So you know, the class of '92, they had what was it, six or seven, eight academy players at once. But since then, United Academy probably produced Marcus Rashford as a as a full-time first-team player.
1: Most of Sunderland squad.
0: Yeah, yeah exactly. <laughs> but you know, I think it's going to be—it's it, kind of a weird thing the academy in that they don't seem any academy in in the uk doesn't seem to produce players constantly apart from southampton possibly but i think it's more like well you know four players now and then you know you wait three years and then you get extra two players and here and there they sort of come in so you know it's it's a strange one academy football but as we've said i just feel town are going the right way about
1: it i think that's Everything for this week, I think we've touched on pretty much everything we can. We'll be back on Thursday to discuss any news that have cropped up, um, preview the Newcastle game, so we'll get somebody on who actually knows about Newcastle to talk that out with, probably from the Chronicle. Um, I don't know of anyone that actually knows anything about Newcastle locally, do you? <laughs> um, obviously remember beer 52, we've talked about at the start of the show, if you've forgotten about it, rewind to then, but beer52.com, free beer, all you do is pay for postage, The Code is Huddersfield, which isn't hard to remember. And we'll see you on Thursday. See you later, Rory. See ya. Ben jij prijsbewust? Nu extra MB's bij de Sony Xperia XA2. Voor 19,50 per maand, 300 minuten of sms'jes en 1500 MB internet tijdens de Ben Prijsbewust Week. Kijk op ben.nl Let op. Geld lenen kost geld.